This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. Yeah. Trevor Chew. A Chew. We were going to try and get in early and we failed utterly. Man, we were going to get an early we start. We just can't help riding that wave, can we? <laughs> uh, it's the bloody book of teeth. Yeah. Um, good afternoon, everyone. 12.02. Well, it's 12.03. Time ah. marches on relentlessly. And as we look back over our shoulders, we see the brainy ones leaving the building and we go, gosh, this is a good place to be a part of. Yeah. Uh, great morning of radio. The doctors were very, very Shout good. Shout out to the doctors talking about addiction Somber. and the war on drugs and, mm, and yeah. suicide. Oh, my God. Yeah. We're going to uh, lighten the mood slightly. We are indeed. All right. And we're going to get right into it today. We've got... Uh, hey, it's a bit of a yin. It's a bit of yang. You know? Really? It's a little bit country. It's yeah. a little bit rock and roll. It's a bit Donnie and Marie. <laughs> right. Today. Yeah. I bugs. I don't know who you'd be in those two. Uh, Who would you pick? I'll go Donnie. Oh, really? I don't really know Marisa. much about them. Anyway, why did I go on that tangent? <laughs> Sorry, folks. Sorry about that terrible mental image. Um, yes, we, uh, we've we got a good show for you today. Well, look, I hope you enjoy it. Um, it's a bit varied. You know, it's a bit, yes. ooh, it's a bit, ooh, it's a bit, ah, it's a bit, ooh. It's the Cam Smith variety hour. Yeah, it is a little bit. We, um, we talk about the food pyramid. Food pyramid has been around since the 30s. Uh, the... Foundation to nutrition. Yes. Would be probably... Pinned on a lot of school canteen uh, walls, I would say to you. Yes, I think you're probably right. Mm. And uh, it's changed. It's been thrown on its head. Right. Uh, and apparently, according to ABC Rural, yes. the new food pyramid brings hope for boost in lentil sales, which is... Uh, which is a narrow <laughs> angle to attack that. Yeah, story. it's like, <laughs> okay, ruled by Clint Jasper anyway. We'll talk to Rosemary Stanton about that because uh, she's our go-to person yes. in regard to that. There's been stuff that's been coming up with the star ratings. Yes. Uh, we're going to talk to her about that as well. We also go to Chef's Armory, which is a bespoke place. Uh, most of the things in there mm-hmm. I cannot have possibly afford forward um but there are some beautiful things in that shop so chef's armory primarily well originally uh, a, a knife a knife uh, store. Bes- bespoke knifery a yes. knife armory yes you want knives if you want some of the best knives in the world come over here and now yeah. they're mixing the knives with the sake and as we say in the beginning of the interview what could possibly go wrong there but um just the most beautiful things in that shop leah yes. talks to us about a drink mm. Shochu. 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 <laughs> it's uh, um, a, a drink that apparently is uh, is more popular in Japan than sake. So it's not sake, nah. but it's related and we're going to run uh, it It's a distilled drink that goes really well with food. Right. Um, so we yes. might have a bit of a chat about that. John from the market is with us. Yes. Um, we go to market and uh, we do that, but we thought we'd come in a little bit early because we wanted to do a bit of... Accolades. We've been eating. Yes. We eat most days, but some days better than others. And, and a lot of the time, it's it hasn't been a part or an ethos of the show to be the food critic because it's something that both of us have shied away from. Exactly. Um, there are other people that can do that and complain about uh, too many cold snow peas on a plate. That yes. is not our thing. <laughs> um, but what we would like to do is just give credit where credit is due. The uh, Good Beer Week concludes and... I didn't get really around to many of the events, but I did mm. get to one, yes. uh, which was uh, at Maricote, um, which was in conjunction with Boat Rocker. So Maricote is north of the city? It is indeed. It's in the People's Republic of Northcote yes. in High Street. Um, and Matt from Boat Rocker mm. um, 
Crazy Brewer with faultless technique. Really? Probably be the best really, way to put right? that. Yeah, he rocks the boat, but yeah. he's, he dots his eyes. Yeah. And he crosses his Does it properly. He's, so he's like Frank Zappa. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Just bang. Yeah. Um, and um, what I really wanted to do hmm. was just to, um, first of all, acknowledge that Mary Coat is... This wonderful little oasis. Mm. Oh, God, cliche, isn't it? Sorry, mm. Matt's looking at me with a scans. <laughs> Put your cliche thing away, Cam. We're going to have a cliche jar next to the swear jar. I will. Yeah. Um, Marycote is a small place off High Street, mm. on High Street, mm-hmm. uh, faultlessly run. The food that was um, that was done by, uh, by Rob, Rob mm. Kaboot. Just matched with the beers magnificently, and I mm-hmm. would I would recommend this place in a heartbeat. Really, as just a, a really comfortable place with uh, people that care. Front of house, and you were saying the Rob's re- wife Broman. Yes, and you were saying the revelation for you in terms of beer and food. Well, it was kind of good because the person I went to um, couldn't drink beer, right? Huh? Yeah. To to a beer night. Yes. Huh? Yeah. And, Interesting and, choice. And so there was wine available. Yes. For each one, so I was able to have the beer and then try the wine. So you could A B the the matching, so the beer matching and then compare it to the wine matching. Yeah, and here's what I worked out. This was yeah. the, the the Cam Smith epiphany in Northcote, yes. Marycote, was yes. that the malt and the aspects of the beer, and as you said, also the bubbles. It just sort of it goes around the food and sort of this is. Bit, you know, abstract, but mm. it sort of hugs the food better mm. than when you have wine. Wine is sort of like the acid just draws a curtain and goes, Vroom, yep, while the beer sort of comes around and it just seemed to be a bit of flavour match. And so, so beer matching, not just valid, but in many cases could actually be better than wine. And I have seen that with cheese. Right. Have che- seen that with cheese, so yes. maybe we might discuss that a little yes. bit more in the in the future. But really, accolades uh, to Matt for his beers, Rob and Bronwyn Kaboot for their uh, their place, their service, and their smiles and their vibe. They they do it well there. Yes. So, tick. Now you. Do you want me to run with the ball next? Go. So we woke up. It's a rare day off for both myself and my dearly beloved yesterday. So what do you want to do? It's a nice, shiny, sunny day. Sure was. And as uh, you know, Cameron, we are lucky enough just to have bought a new car recently. So like, well, what do you want to do? Let's go for a drive. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go to the Yarra Valley. So we did. Drive out to the Yarra Valley. And, and I guessed it, didn't I? You showed me the picture and I said, it I, is. I took a picture of this place. I said, look, here's the rolling fields, the beautiful sun, the winter sun. Where is this? And a, and a touch of garden. And a touch of garden. Mm. And you said, ah, you went to Belvedere. And I said, yes, I did for the first time ever. So where is Belvedere? It is on, uh, it's in Coldstream, mm. on the main highway there, just, you know, dotted amongst one of the other, many of the other ones. What, what do we see if we drive in the car park? In the car park? Well, actually, this time of year, you just see a lot of uh, pretty cold-looking vines at this point, mm. um, which I think will... But it's sort of like eating in a farmhouse, isn't it? Very, very sort of, yeah, very house sort of feel. It feels uh-huh. like you're at someone's home, which is a really nice thing to be able to say. Yes. And the food was amazing. I was a little bit off colour, so I didn't really eat much of it, unfortunately. But... Yeah, <laughs> great trip out there. And the food, yeah, my God. Apple pie and Chardonnay. Uh. That's how you finish a nice lunch in the Arrow Valley. And, and we've actually spoken to uh, Chef Gary Cooper. Yeah, many times. was there. Yeah. And uh, the one thing about that, I've only been able to eat there a couple of times, but uh, it's uh, just a comfy, comfy place. It is like eating in someone's... Rather uptown farmhouse. Yes. Uh, and the, the just there's like a big sideboard near the kitchen with all these cookbooks and yeah. and above it is this really big clock. Yes. It's the one thing that I remember. And it just feels 
The only thing that's missing is the Yaga somewhere. <laughs> You know, yes, the big years. Yes. And, the place has got and, soul. And maybe a bit of midsummer murder action happening in the vineyards <laughs> or something, you know? But no, just the, the, the cooking has just got such soul and feeling it does. to it. It's beautiful. It, it really, really does. And uh, let's see now. Uh, the third one we just very, very quickly want mm-hmm. to just go through is that um, I went to a place in Richmond. I was uh, the guest of um, a very, very good friend of mine. You made me jealous when you said where you went. I wanted to go here since it's opened. The name of the place, it's a, an eponymous name, meaning that it's named after a person. Yes, yes. Opposite of anonymous. And it's called Minamishima. 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 Hi. Minamishima is uh, off, I think, Lord Street in Richmond. Mm. The best Japanese experience I have had. Yeah, that sounds That amazing. food experience. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you showed me photos and uh, it looks the real deal. So what we've got is it's named after uh, the sushi master Koichi Minamishima. Yes. Uh, who were, used to be at Kenzan, and I remember him at Kenzan mm. uh, for, for years, and he has been given a contemporary stage uh, minimalist extraordinary mm. and uh, just... Amazing. Uh, 14, 15 tastes of sushi. Yes. It ain't cheap. No. Just so you know, it is not cheap, but it's one of those things you m- must, simply must do. That's assuming that you like eating raw fish. Because but if you do, this is, a, this is some of the best you're going to find anywhere, Melbourne or Australia, or even perhaps internationally. It's it's just it's the best I've had. Minamishima in Richmond. Yeah, it is uh, just extraordinary. And the other thing that was um, extraordinary uh, about it was uh, the match of sakes. I had a range of sakes that I were just extraordinary, from mm. super dry to mm. with um, the bits that you swirl it around the glass and you can see it. So um, there you go. That's sort of what we did. It is twelve twelve. We're going to have a chat to Rosemary Stanton on Eat It on Three Triple R this afternoon. Rosemary, a very, very good afternoon to you. Hi, Cam. How are you? Fine, thank you. That's the way. How's um? Oh, actually, we won't get into the weather. Let's let's get straight into it. Um, the new food pyramid. We where was the the? Someone was saying it's since it's been around since the thirties. Well, no, it hasn't. I mean, it has. In, there's different forms of the food pyramid that occur in different countries. In in the United States, the food pyramid was the official government way of uh, looking at things. Right. It was never the case in Australia. The food pyramid was brought out by what used to be called the Australian Nutrition Foundation. They've changed their name to Nutrition Australia. And they did it really to be in, in keeping with the government's um, official dietary guidelines, but by giving a, a sort of an important visual um, representation to it. Yeah, yeah. and so it was um, quite widely used, but it's never actually been the official one in, in Australia. But it, it has always gone along with the dietary guidelines, and I think the new one really sets out... Dietary guidelines put the sort of five food drips on a plate and then, say, use small amounts of healthy oils and all the rest of it. But I think this one's a little bit more blunt, and I think that makes it good. Yes. So they've actually got... Uh, and they've, they've changed it from the old one in that the old one had uh, vegetables and, and grains and, and um, fruits all together as the eat most category. Yeah, they were so just hanging time, together, weren't they? Yeah, they put them all together, and, and this time they've sort of put the fruits and vegetables on the bottom and then the grains a little bit slightly higher up. They haven't taken grains out, you might notice, but the, the pictures they've got 
look quite um, good. Someone said to me the other day, oh, yes, but the grains in the old one used to have donuts. Well, no, it didn't. <laughs> Not in Australia, anyway. <laughs> no, maybe but, that was um, the American one. Yeah, I don't yes. know. Some other countries. But different countries have different ones. But mm. um, this one was put in place a long while ago by... Um, the Nutrition Foundation, now Nutrition Australia. So it's uh, Nutrition Australia tends to have members who are dieticians, but also lots of home economics teachers from schools. Mm. Uh, and so they're always looking for something that's a practical way for kids to remember things. And I think they've done a really good job. So these are educators rather than, shall we say, the vested or commercial interests that putting yeah. this forward. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so they're, they're sort of looking at how do you educate people best about these things um, and Nutrition Australia does occasionally have some commercial sponsors, I think, but you'll notice there's no brand names on these things. Yeah, gotcha. So, so what have been the the main changes, other than um, the moving of grains? Well, maybe the grains. Is, I mean, the grains still come in sort of, you know, fruits and vegetables are on the bottom, with the biggest space given to vegetables. There's a bit of a little gap, so that you have mostly vegetables and some fruit. So that's all in keeping, and the, and the the words that go with it for teachers explain that it's five serves of vegetables and two serves of fruit. Mm. Then they've got all the grains and they've pictured things saying oats and whole grain cereal and quinoa and couscous and things. Then they've got uh, equal billing given to milk and cheese and all the other alternatives to milk and, and the meat, poultry, fish, eggs, nuts. They've actually got tofu and seeds and things. On the top they've got healthy fats like olive oil. But then the, the bit I really like is they've actually got a big cross which a red sort of, you know, don't do it. Yes. Which says limit salt and added sugars. Now, that's the message in the guidelines too, but actually putting it up there with a, with a red cross on it um, saying limit it, I think is quite good. And down the bottom, they've got a, another nice little tick for water and they've got enjoy herbs and spices. So that's, I think they've sort of put the message together really well so that instead of people just salting their food, they say enjoy herbs and spices and they've, put it all in this nice little visual so i really like it sounds good and so if um you and i or people out there want to check that out or or maybe um show a screen to the kids or print something out we could just go to nutrition australia and um and do that way yeah and nutrition australia also have a whole lot of um fact sheets about things so you can look up stuff when you're um you know you're wondering is this true and is it really uh you know good to eat lots of coconut oil or whatever you can look up all those sort of things on nutrition australia's website too and it's all written by um dieticians and nutrition educators so it's um in conjunction with the teachers they get together and and so it's it's designed to make it um really practical and easy to look at whereas the if you look at the government guide for the dietary guidelines there are certainly some bits there for educators and there are some bits for kids and they sort of go down but the great big mass of it is all for the people who do the teaching. Right. So that's sort of got all the, the results of the 55,000 um, pieces of research that were looked at. So it's the sort of um, big one, and this one really translates that same information into a form that is good for, for you know, when you just want a quick picture. I think I might have to have a look at that a little bit later. Folks out there, if you want to get that name again, it was Nutrition Australia. Um, the other thing you wanted to talk about uh, briefly, Rosemary, was the fact that there's been movement at the station regarding... The star system. Yes, well... Um, the latest, uh, <laughs> latest instalment. Before, and initially, when the star system was being put in place, and I was actually on the technical design working group with another um, person, another qualified uh, nutrition person, 
And we, there were a whole lot of things that were going to um, happen with that, so it wasn't going to be available for soft drinks, so you wouldn't get diet soft drinks putting stars on them. It wasn't going to be available for, for confectionery. Confectionery and soft drinks could just put the, the kilojoules. Um, they seem to now be carrying stars all over the place, and, of course, when the new government came in, they uh, changed the committee a bit, and um, although there are people there who can access nutritionists, Mm. Um, I, th I think it's sort of um, there's no no one with any direct expertise in nutrition who now sits on that committee. So I think a lot of things have slid through with the aim of getting the star system in place and getting it running. But if you get something running and it's got um, a few errors in it, I don't think that's too good. And I've seen some people who are making claims uh, for their let's say muesli bar type products. Yes. In which they put it, they don't, they, instead of putting sugar, they put pear juice concentrate. Now, pear juice concentrate is just the sugar extracted out of pears. Uh, and basically nothing else. And they're counting that as fruit instead of sugar. Oh, well, um, isn't that just fructose? Haven't that been. Yeah, well, it's mainly fructose and, yeah, and it's got a bit of glucose in it as well, but it's just basically sugar. So that sugar. shouldn't have it happened. Yeah. But there's a few things that, uh, without anyone with any expertise, and this isn't me. You know, I was quite happy for someone else with expertise. It wasn't me yep. to get involved with it. But you just sort of feel like you put a lot of time in at your own, your own, your own time, no, no payment or anything to these things. And you then, didn't even invoice them? Uh, well, no. You'd sit on these committees without payment. Oh, okay. It's, it's an honorary thing. And, it's, yeah, yeah, all it's, and I don't mind that. Just wait till your next job. We're going to pay I you think, really well. Yeah, and the food industry was very much against it. And I think some of them are getting on side because they're sort of... Um, well, using it in a way that wasn't really intended. And the other problem it has is that it really doesn't work for single-ingredient foods. So, for example, um, if you look at something that has nothing added to it, and just an example that, that some people are complaining about is olive oil. Right. So olive oil, which has nothing added to it and has a whole lot of goodies, yep. um, doesn't get... Uh, it gets usually about three stars, which isn't bad at all, but it can't sort of go too high. Whereas you find some um, muesli bars that are getting up to four, four and a half stars, and you also get things like some fruit juices getting more stars than the fruit they're made out of. Now, that's just a nonsense. <laughs> yes. So you really, um, and, and when I, you know, I had a bit of a moan about this recently at a meeting, and I said, but, you know, how can you not, why don't you just give all fruit five stars? And I said, well, it's not really intended for fruit, it's intended for packaged foods. And that, I, I accept that, I understand that. But I think people need to realise that just because something's got stars on it doesn't make it better than the fresh stuff that you, you take yourself. So it really needs a good education campaign, I think, to go with that and get the message to people that really, if you look down the, the aisle of the snack foods and you see something with three stars, it's still not as good as if you go down the, the fresh fruit aisle and there everything, if it had a label, would um, really should have five stars. Well, it's a slow evolution, but um, but I suppose we're we're making steps, which is uh, well, the glass is half full in that way. Well, we are, and I think that pyramid really helps people, and I especially like the fact cause that it that it has this big red cross against, you know, limit added sugar and salt, and and that's a message. That's the main message. I mean, at the moment, Australians are getting adults are getting thirty five percent of their kilojoules from junk food, and kids are over forty percent. People fuss about whether they should have so many carbs or protein or little. 
just cut the junk. That's what we basically need to do. There's the message, Rosemary. Well, look, yeah. we, we better race um, because we've got some pre-recorded stuff to get to. As always, we thank you for taking the time to have a chat to us. It's my pleasure, Cam, any time. Ah, thank you. Rosemary Stanton calling from New South Wales. Yeah. Uh, we need to get a move on, don't we? We're going to hop to market after this. Fab. John, there's a bustle here today, and I've got to say it's a very, very happy bustle. Um, even though we're getting into the colder months, a little bit of reprise with sun. And look at you, you're smiling. I'm smiling because I'm standing in the sun, and it's just glorious. You know, I love Melbourne because you get those crisp mornings, and then the sun comes up and you forget all about it, and you feel alive, and mm. you feel like, let's get up and go. Yeah, okay, so um, where are we, buddy? We're in the, uh, the middle of May. It's the start of winter. Yeah. We look around, the, the leaves are just about all gone now on the trees, and we're seeing things really starting to change now, aren't we? Yeah, it's um, a good thing that you said that, because when I was uh, driving um, into the next street from my house, I saw this beautiful persimmon trees, and 90% of the leaves are on the ground, and you can see the beautiful orangey fruit hanging there, Yeah, and uh, they're just waiting... And they're saying, pick me, pick me. They are, they are quite a beautiful thing, aren't they? Definitely. These are the soft variety. Mm. I, I rather like the uh, crunchy variety myself, the Fuji variety, but they're all beautiful. But the, the vibrancy of the colour of the trees, it's like a painting, you know, and you do feel alive. Now, look at this, uh, John, the, the artist in you, in your soul's coming out. It's kind of good. Um, but we do have sun on our, on our shoulders, and it is, is great. And I'm seeing... Um, I think I saw the first of the uh, Australian navels. Around. Yes, the navels have started. Have a look at these. Oh, you got them? I've got some. There you I, go. I paid an arm and a leg for these, but there's um, 16 beautiful shiny oranges. Actually, that might be more, though. I think there's... There's more. Yeah, there's 17, 18. Hey. But um, good value there. These come out of South Australia. They have been waxed, but they're lovely. There's not a lot of wax on them. Mm. Yeah, I'll cut it in a minute. Yeah, yeah, we can talk about that. Oh, what's that? Okay, so we've got uh, oranges and then yeah. we've just had... So like... they should be nice and juicy, beautiful to eat. There's still a lot of Valencia's around for juice, but I think they're just getting a little bit past it. Yeah. So jump onto the navels and have a feed, and um, they, they juice really well as well. A lot of people say, oh, you know, they're better to eat, but you have to make a juice. Can't get better than that. Yeah, I know. And the, the one thing about navels is they're always a revelation when you eat them, because we've been eating Valencia's. And then always, yeah, it just, I don't know, turns up the volume on the taste and the deliciousness. Oh, uh, they're a little bit more of an acidic orange. Yeah. But um, I can remember when I was small, Dad used to bring home a whole box um, on a Wednesday or a Tuesday even sometimes, and by Sunday they were gone because we'd sit by the open hearth fire and um, Mum and I'd be peeling and Dad and I'd be eating quicker than we could peel them. So, really? Oh, that's good. And, and the peel you, goes in the fire? In the fire, of course. And you get the, the aroma of oh, the peel? the aroma, and it, it just makes you remember, you know, what life's about. Yeah. And um, because you do these things only a certain time of the year, yeah. you know, you can't do it all the time. So, you know, we'd be eating, sometimes they'd be a little bit tart at the start of the season, but I like it like that. And, and you ride that change, don't you? You yeah, sort you of do, you go you through do. the season with them. That's, and, and then you get great. to the end of the season and they're a little bit too sweet, and then you say, oh, come on, Valencia, let's <laughs> get there. Yeah, bring them on. Um, another thing before we go on to this rather sexy-looking variegated pumpkin you got here is, uh, as well as that, I'm seeing ruby grapefruit. Are they yeah, just, yeah. Are they Aussie? 
Uh, I hope so. Yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> it's the right time for them, so okay. they'd have to be Australian. Um, different than the cherries, we might touch on that later. But, uh, okay. yeah, a, a lot of people like the pink grapefruit because, um, again, it's not as tart as the yellow one. Mm. Um, a lot of people put caster sugar on them and stick them under the gorilla. Yeah, and a little bit of cinnamon too goes yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't do it myself because of my hay fever. Um, it upsets my hay fever. Does it really? Yeah, it tastes like rotten fruit to me, so I don't oh, eat it. Okay. Mum gets into them. She likes them a lot, especially the colour. Yes. You know, the vibrancy of the oh, colour of the they pink look one. Beautiful. And, the, and yeah. then the juice. Oh, yeah, I, I can drink a little bit of juice, but yeah. not a lot. And then there's Campari with the, anyway. That's, yeah, that's that's a whole other other thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Campari, a little bit of the ruby grapefruit juice, and maybe just a little bit of soda water on top. Oh, that's yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. but what we got this this pumpkin here is divine. Well, yeah, we're moving into winter, see. So yeah, this looks like uh, in shape uh, a big butternut, but it looks Does like it's... a Japanese or a Kent pumpkin on the outside. And when you cut it in half, it's got this beautiful, rich orange like the, the navels that we've just been talking oh, about. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, sometimes it's got a little bit of a green tinge, but um, that's because it's been crossed with another pumpkin. Has it I got think, a name, this, this thing? Oh, uh, the, George. I bought these from Biodynamic Growers, so they're even organically grown. Yeah. She told me the name, but I've forgotten. Okay. They're, uh, so they've so been so around so a long time. They're a cross between a trombone and a butternut. Yeah. And, and maybe even a little bit of a grey pumpkin in there as well. Haven't seen the trombones for a while. The no. trombones, describe a trombone for trombone you. Trombone is a very, very long Obviously, pumpkin. yeah. Um, and can be heavy and thick like a trombone. Yeah. When you cut it, it's a beautiful orange, but a very watery pumpkin. Yeah. Brilliant for soups. The northern Italians actually cut it into, you know, the size of a fish cake. And then they either dip it in oil and vinegar and fry it, or they batter it and fry it. So they do a, the Italian soup, potato cake made of yeah, pumpkin yeah. cake. It's, it's strange, but it works, you know. Oh, that's great. I love the, a pumpkin cake. The thing is that when you don't have a lot in the pantry, you learn all these tricks, you know. You you eat what you've got. If you were going to do... Okay, let's talk about this potato cake. So we've got an idea of the, the circle of it. How thick would you cut it? You wouldn't want to do it too thick because then it'll yeah, never... About a centimetre and a half. Two yeah, centimetres right. at the most. Yeah. Um... You know, even without the batter, you can dip it in the olive oil and vinegar and then throw it into the pan and do it very, very quick. Yes. But with a batter, it's beautiful as well. And, and it doesn't taste like pumpkin. It's different. Yeah, it's and, nutty and amazing. Yeah. yeah. In, in South Australia and far north Queensland, they used to call it grandma pumpkin, and they'd make a grandma pie. Mm. And that's to die for as well. The pie, pumpkin pie is very, very nice with that. Because, again, it's a softer pumpkin. It's a sweeter pumpkin. Yes. Very easy to deal with, whereas if you use... Um, uh, butternut, butternut or a Jarrodale, yeah. it's very hard and dry. You don't get the right consistency. Mm. But a butternut, you can use this, um, you can actually use a butternut in um, a pasta dish if you yes. cut it into and yes, yes. it's more like a tortaglioni or rigatoni yes, or something like right. that. Anyway, that's nice. Okay, so pumpkins are around. We've sort of quickly talked. Oh, um, you eating a lot of mandarins yet? Yeah, I bought a box for yesterday. Did you? Uh, it had 125 in it, but by the time I got it home, it only had about 70 in it. You are and a citrus demolition man, oh. aren't you? Yeah, well, I gave some to Rose and some to oh, my okay. mum, and yeah, right. we ate a dozen when we pulled the lid off. So, yeah, look, when they're nice and vibrant, they call you, and, and, and you have one, and you say, oh, that was beautiful, and you have another one that's a little bit sour and so I'll better have another one and get rid of the sour. I gotta find another sweet one. And and when you and what about that moment when you go, Oh my god, 
this is the perfect mandarin and you don't want it to end. That's right. So yeah. that's when you stop eating them and, okay. and, and you savour the flavour in the mouth for the next hour or so. And uh, your breath smells good. Yeah. Uh, your taste buds are happy. You're happy because your belly's full as well. You've got your vitamin C kit. There it is. Yeah, bang. It's Yeah, it's, yeah everyone's a winner. Some say that it's the um, uh, possibly one of our most popular fruit when it comes in because it just... It's deliciousness and just the ease of peeling and anyway, yep. And then, you know, now that it's getting wintry, we make our juice to warm up to uh, get rid of any bugs in our throat and that. You remember how we do um, orange, mandarin and lemon. Yeah. and Squeeze the juice, put a little bit of honey, warm it through. Yes. And sip that. That's a natural lozenge. You don't need to go and buy a lozenge. It hasn't got any bacterial, antibacterial in it, but it does. It has a natural antibacterial from the orange in it. So, you know, you warm it, drink that, soothes the throat, you get that tickle in the throat, it goes away really quick. Tastes really, really good. I also like um, yeah, orange and, and pineapple juice mixed together. But that's just me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, so um, what are we up to? Oh, we're up to about eight minutes. We probably should get make a move on and uh, just cast your eyes around and tell me the pick of the market today, John. Well, I'll tell you about my dinner, which is a pick of the market. Yeah. We had corned beef and cabbage. Oh, have you? Yeah, last I've been night thinking the about this week, yeah. So with the juice, she makes a risotto or more a pilaf because she does it in the oven, she cheats. But it's good. Mm. So yeah, that was full of fresh peas, a few beans, had a little bit of carrot in it, a little bit of celery in it. Mm. All the good wintry stuff went into yeah. that pilaf. And then after that, we had slabs of corned beef and cabbage and carrot and potato. We did it the old Anglo way, all boiled in a big pot. A lot of them go modern, they do the cabbage in a fry pan. I don't like it. I like it juicy. I like it sloppy. I like it. That's the only thing we overcook, really. Mm. You know? Everything else we cook moderately. But when you do corned beef and cabbage, it doesn't matter if the cabbage is melted away. What about your peas, John? Peas as well. Uh, when we cook peas, we cook them separate, not uh, mashy. Right. So that's one pick of the market. Yeah, okay. Yep. Cauliflowers have come back a bit. They hit $7. Now they're anything between two fifty dollars and $4. $4 a big collie you'll eat two weeks with it. Mm. Uh, and the cabbage we use for that is a savoy. This one's a, a qu- an eighth of a plane, actually. This was huge. The whole cabbage weighed six kilo. Yep. But this is nice for coleslaw. Yep. Um, beans, we've swapped from Victorian to Queensland, so they're 11 a kilo. If you think that's a lot of money, buy a handful. They are beautiful at the moment. Really, really nice and sweet. Mm. This is a greener variety. When you break them in the middle, you've got that jelly inside. Um, eggplant have come down. Eggplant have come down. We've still got the Victorian ones, believe it or not, coming out of Mildura. The Queensland have started again. There's an abundance coming, so they're going to be dime a dozen this season. Hey, Capsicums are a little bit dear at the moment. We're selling 6 to $8. They'll come down soon. Don't worry. When the big truckloads come down from Queensland, they'll hit 2 or $3 again. Mm. bit tragic. Not enough money for the growers, but... They send a lot down. We eat more. Everyone's happy. Mm. Last of the grapes going out from Victoria. There are a couple figs. There's a couple boxes of figs up there. I saw a mountain down the bottom, and they had one broken in half, and it just looked like pure nectar. They weren't cheap. They were 30 bucks a kilo. It's the last you're going to see them for a year. Yeah, but Mm. again, when you eat that an hour later, you're going to remember the flavour, so it's worth doing. And now we're talking still about fruit. American cherries are in. Take it or leave it. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, And we've got an abundance of local tomatoes still from outside. Um, Grown out in the field from Doncaster. We've got a few Murray Bridge trickling in, grown in the glass house. So we're just going to change 
um, from where they come from, but the flavour's going to be the same, quality's going to be the same. Price normally the same right through winter and summer, so mm. we can't complain about that. A lot of people are making soups now. I'm selling the really, really ripe red ones from Doncaster. You know, get a nice bitey soup, mm. a little bit of cream on top. Bob's your uncle. Oh, I tell you what, it's a beautiful thing. And, um, yeah, as we look around, this is a great time to come. Oh, look, it's always a good time to come to the market. But uh, what do you got? you got the celery now. I'm waving a celery stick at Cameron. Yeah, yeah. Look at the colour. Yeah, it's pretty good. Beautiful, nice green. We've got white celery as well. Some people like the green ones. I like the white one myself. We've been doing everything with this in the soups and casseroles in a salad. Uh, anchovy on top, I've been telling you about. We've been going back to the 70s. Cream cheese, I got into trouble for doing that this week. <laughs> but, yeah, celery, celery is good for you. It's got a, a lot of um, natural salt in sodium. Um, it does too, doesn't it? You get yeah. fibre as well. Mm. You get... Um, uh, you get aromatics in aromatics, your cooking. Aromatics, you yeah. get water. You know, if you're thirsty, there's nothing better than a cold bit of celery to eat mm. rather than a soft drink. And I've got to say, that um, that little, the heart of the celery makes just a beautiful salad. One more thing I'm going to mention, then we've got a race. We also didn't, uh, it sort of might look a little bit like a celery, but uh, it's a bit different. Rhubarb. Um, I'm oh, seeing that come in. It's looking pretty there's, good. There's some beautiful thin rhubarb. People yeah. shy away from the thin one. Yeah. But mostly the thin varieties are a cherry rhubarb. Yes. When you cut the stalk in half, you'll see it's bright red in the middle. Then there's a very thick tambourine rhubarb, which is uh, thicker than your thumb. You cut it in half, it's green inside. Yes. Very acidic. The thinner stuff, sweeter. Yeah. If it's very, very thin, you can even cook it skin and all. Have you ever tried it? I have, yeah. yeah Good. Yeah, love it. Uh, especially if you put it in a flan, mm. you, you, you um, break it open and you see the beautiful colour, you see the fibre in the middle, and the flavour is exceptional. Mm. Um, put a little bit of apple in there. Easy work. Frank has made two in the last month, so it's yeah. been heaven. Hey, cooks like that. Anyway, better go. John, as always, lovely to see you. Enjoy this sunshine. I will. That's why we're out here. I've been oh. chopping pumpkin and celery <laughs> and, and life's grand. It's pretty good. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Yes, we've got a happy John at the market, and uh, we've got a little bit of an announcement coming up. We are going to be doing a giveaway to something incredible. Yep, dine with heart. We're going to be giving away two tickets, but first, we must pay rent. 1238 Triple R, uh, Sacred Heart, uh, that wonderful uh, institution that looks after so many people, including feeding up to 400 people a day, mm. need your money. And one of the ways they do that is by having a gala, a gala event, and uh, this year is no exception. And that's this uh, week. That know. is this week. It's uh, on uh, Tuesday. Where's the date on that? It's Tuesday coming up. I can't see the date. Uh, Tuesday, May 26th. And uh, the idea is that you get some of Melbourne's best chefs. Yep. We're doing it in the Palais. I'm going to be emceeing it. I've been asked again, and ah, it's a great honour to be nice. able to do that. Uh, but we've got some great people uh, coming in. Curly, Chris Watson, Daniel Wilson, Jesse Gurner, Philippa Sibley, and others uh, will uh, join their forces to deliver a great meal. The, are, there, are there tickets still available? There are tickets. There's still a couple of tickets available. What I suggest you do is you go to the Sacred Heart website. Yes. Uh, there's a 1-800 number. There's uh, there's a couple available. I think it's, uh, the office is open on Monday. As I said, 1-800 number. But uh, the great thing is that uh, we are giving you the mm. chance for two people to come and join us. Tickets are worth $220 each, so this is uh, quite something. It is. Um, you need to give us a call, 93 
1027. Now, all you folks calling... Yeah, just, hold just, the phone. Just settle down because there's, there's a question yeah. involved in this. Hold the phone. Yeah. There, there is a question involved because uh, we are an educational station and we like to think that we are educating you. The uh, market report had a secret thing embedded in it. Uh, we talked about persimmons. <laughs> yes. uh, John talked about uh, a persimmon variety that he liked. Yes. Sounded a little bit Japanese, didn't it? It was the if crunchy variety. It was the crunchy yes. variety. Uh, a four-letter word. If you can name what that variety is, get on the phone, 93881027. Of course, you must be a subscriber. Yes, because Matt gets uh, a little bit ornery about yes. that sort of stuff. So, uh, yeah, two tickets to the Sacred Heart Mission uh, Dining with Heart. There are tickets available. Go to the website. Yep. As I said, Sacred Heart is a fabulous institution that looks after the disadvantaged in this meritocracy we live yeah, in. Indeed. Hey, um, we should now just quickly say we're going to go and have a chat to Lee Hudson from Chef's Army. Indeed, we will, about Shochu, and uh, we'll come back and announce the winners to that uh, at the end of the show. Great. Lee Hudson, a very, very good afternoon to you. It's been, it's been a while since drinks, hasn't it, buddy? It's been a long time between drinks, actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'd say probably over a year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here we are in beautiful downtown Richmond at Chef's Armoury, a bespoke store that just seems to get better and better every time I, I look in it. It's looking amazing, man. Thank you. It's It's been evolving, basically. I mean, we started with knives, and now we have knives and sake. What a great combination. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong with that? doesn't sound dangerous at all. Um, how long have you been here for now? I think it's been two and a half years or something like that. Yeah, right. um, Yeah, two and a half years sounds about right. And you've invited me. I had a chat to you saying, mate, we haven't had a chat for a while. And you said, I've got a new mastermind subject. And your mastermind subject today is? Is shochu. Shochu. Qu'est-ce que c'est? What is that? So let, let's not get confused with soju, mm. which is a Korean beverage which is making its way around the streets at the moment. Um, Great Korean falling down water. Yes, falling yeah. down water, yeah. which is very strong and, and um, all respect to the Koreans, uh, the Japanese do it better. Shochu is uh, is a distilled beverage, mm-hmm. uh, which generally is bottled up at about 25% alcohol, so pretty pretty approachable, easy to drink. Yep. Um, now, where it sits in the whole scheme of things in Japan is that it is 45% more popular than sake in volume of sales. And, and this was the big hook for me when you were sort of reeling me in. You said, mate, I've got this drink that hardly anybody knows about that is even more popular than sake in its home country. Absolutely. And it is, it's growing as well. Like, it's, it's yeah. growing at a rate. Um, and why is that? It's, uh, yeah. it's actually something that works very, very well with food. And you don't think about spirits and food. But, no, no, um, no, But certainly it's something that you could uh, sit down and have with a meal. So this is an actual spirit that we're talking about and not a fortified product? Yes, it's actually distilled. The, right. pro- the process is, is a little bit different to um, most other, in fact, all other uh, alcoholic beverages. Uh, so they start with a mash, and obviously there's fermentation in the beginning. The very start. In yeah. The very start. And the fermentation is normally started with uh, korji, which is the same sort of thing they use with, uh, with rice, for rice sake. Mm. Uh, so we have korji. Um, there is... Uh, korji could be made from rice or it could be made from barley. Yes. And then halfway through the fermentation, a second load of ingredients are put in, which... Uh, one of 75 or 77 specified ingredients. Like, really? Yeah, popular things would be rice or sweet potato or also barley. Yes. Uh, and then it's fermented further. So these are the main ones we've got, and then there's other sort of 
boutique-y one, shall we say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's really left-field stuff like Yomogi, uh, which is mugwort. Um, there's Shiso. There's uh, mm. just really weird and wonderful things. Wild and wacky. Ab- okay. Absolutely. But, but the top three that we're talking... And we've got them here in front of us, which is kind of good. We do. Uh, so after after the uh, fermentation is distillation. Yes. Um, and distillation... How's it distilled? It's distilled in an, in an old-school pot still. Yes. Uh, it's a single distillation. All the good stuff is single distillation. The Japanese call honkaku shochu. Say that again because it sounded impressive. Honkaku shochu. Honkaku. Honkaku. Hey. Uh, which yeah. is which is the good stuff? Single mm. single distilled, not not uh, multiple multiply distilled like a vodka. Yes. So you still retain a lot of the characteristics of the ingredients. So I think probably the best way to explain it is, is to crack a bottle and we'll we'll try it. Yeah, let's do that. And while we're cracking the bottle, maybe we might just sort of touch on the history because uh, it actually comes from around the 16th century. There it is, crack a bottle. Ooh. Yeah, so it's it's a very um, very old old school um, dis- distillation. I, I think it came through uh, probably through Thailand originally. Actually, um, through Persia was through where because we start with Arak was the first thing, and it was actually as far as I can see, it was the those good old Jesuits, the Portuguese, that was the influence that said, "Hey, we know distillation." Oh, fantastic! Sixteenth century. Sixteenth century. Mm. Those Jesuits are wonderful people. They are. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so I thought that we'd start with a uh, with a, a mugi. Yep. Because which is the the barley. Um, this is where most people get an interest okay. in uh, in shochu. Yeah. Um, this is the momosuke shodai, which is a vacuum distilled. So it's it's distilled. So they create a vacuum and it's distilled at a much lower temperature. Very very easy to drink. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, so it's sort of like a rotovac for distillation purposes. Absolutely. Um, this is very very. Very gentle palate, but but the nose is amazing. To me, it, it really smells of of barley, um, and the barley for this one is actually grown in Australia. Is it really? Yeah. Okay, so I'm getting. Um, it certainly smells like a spirit. It's got that alcohol sort of wafting in. Tell us, uh, describe that barley aroma that you're picking up. It's kind of like a, almost like a, a sweet barley aroma, like barley sugar lollies, or yeah, there is that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. All right, let's have a have a little taste. So, it, so just for we're being served in a lovely sort of um, a stemless glass. Um, it's clear. Um, it's it, it's it's colourless, um, but it's got a gorgeous aroma. Mm. Oh, it's quite dry, isn't it? Mm. Mm. There's not a lot of um, there's not a lot of sweetness there. There's just just a really touch of maybe creaminess up front, mm-hmm. um, and it finishes quite strongly. Twenty five percent, so it's very very easy to drink compared to a, a whiskey or something like yeah. that, which is forty five fifty. It does have this viscosity to it, hasn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, another interesting thing is is how do you drink shochu? I mean, you can drink it just straight up. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some ice here, so let, let's try it on the rocks. Okay. So what that gonna, is that going to release more of the? Oh, sorry, I'm going to get close to the microphone. By putting in ice, does that release the esters, which releases more of the aroma? Um, maybe, maybe not so much the aroma, but certainly with the palate, it'll it'll really broaden out the palate and gotcha. make it quite delicious. Delicious. Um, another way you could drink it is with. Just with water, water it down sort of six to four yes. um, and drink it like a wine. Uh, you could water it down with hot water in winter. Mm. Now, what would you eat with that? Shochu is fantastic with oily foods. Yeah, right. Yeah. There's not a lot of, um, not a lot of things that, that really work with oily food. I know sometimes sake struggles with some oily foods. Mm. But if I was to have, say, 
Let's say beer battered fish and chips. Oh, oh, okay, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, okay, right now, now we're talking yeah. Western oily food. Western yeah. oily food, or um, I mean, down in Kyushu, they're, they're very, very famous for making this deep fried chicken. Yes, and um, people will always have shochu with it. So this is like a toranuka karage. Am I saying that yeah, right? It's it's very very similar to a karage, but it's it's a very specific to the region. What about a mackerel, oily mackerel? Oily mackerel, certainly it'll work as well. Mm. Um, traditionally, uh, it's the bottom, it's, it's Kyushu area where they distill a lot of, uh, lot of shochu. And this one is actually from Kyushu, uh, Oita prefecture. Um, oily fish down yeah. there are huge. Yeah, yeah, right. Absolutely huge. Uh, things like pork belly. Um, the biggest eaters of pork in Japan are down south. Oh, yeah. Um, they have some really wonderful black pig. Um, all, all that sort of thing works so, so well with shochu. Yeah, and I can just imagine Japanese pork belly. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds good. Okay, so that's our first one. So the first one we've had is um, a barley sochu. And the next one we're going to, which we are just about to crack, and it sounds like this. Oh, nice. Uh, what's this one? This is actually... This is actually another barley shochu. It's the same. It's the same uh, brewer. They, they call themselves brewers, not distillers. Indeed. Um, so it's it's the same brewer, uh, Momosuke, and this is distilled in a different way. So this is is regular distillation. It's not vacuum distilled, and also it's uh, what they call morocco. There's been no charcoal filtration, and you'll see a very very big difference. Thanks, Lee. Okay, again, clear. Oh God, that smells. That smells very different, doesn't it? So we've been selling this a lot to people who love whiskey. Um, yeah. It's it's not really uh, whiskey like, but it has the intensity of whiskey. It's you know, it has sort of in really the same good. suburb, isn't it? It's not it's, in the same street, but yeah. it's in the it, same postcode. Yeah, it's 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 Cremorne. It's not Richmond. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. All right. So we're knocking that back. Um, the same sort of alcohol feel. Maybe a little bit more. Well, there's a little bit more happening on the front of the palate too. So basically, with with uh, vacuum distillation, um, you leave behind a lot of the oils mm. um, and a lot of the esters. But with regular distillation, uh, it's, it's the whole shebang. So everything sort of goes up the pipe and uh, ends up in the final product. Yeah, got it. So we you can get taste that, can't we? Absolutely. So let's pop a little bit of ice in there. Mm. What sort of um, what sort of prices are we looking for this? Well, we. So for oh, a so for a for a regular bottle, um, if you pay in in Australia because we, we have quite high taxes on spirits, um, probably around fifty or sixty dollars a bottle. Yeah, but it is lower alcohol, which is what the excise is sort of uh, uh, calculated, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, so if it was uh, if it was higher alcohol, certainly the, it'd be more mm. um, because the excise would be higher. And is this um, actually, uh, as a product in Japan, is this sort of seen as uh, a mass-produced product or is it very artisanal, sort of bespoke like this shop? It, it's both, actually. Um, at, at, the, uh, at the the really pointy end of, uh, of the shochu production, you get these really beautiful small kura um, or breweries that mm. uh, are producing amazing stuff, like absolute cult, cult. Cult cult producers, yes. um, and then also there's there's quite large organisations as well. Mm. So it's it's the full spectrum. So it goes goes the whole way. All right. So we've had a look at that one, and that would food food match for this one. Food match for that. I, I think I'd like a little bit of uh, maybe some stewed pork belly or mm. something like that. It has it has really strong characteristics, so it'll it'll hold up against something that's quite rich. 
Well, that famous uh, famous dish, um, nikujaga, which is uh, stewed meat and, and potatoes, Japanese. Mm. This, yeah, this is nice. And as you say, you can drink it, you can warm it up or have it cold? You can have it cold, you can have it hot. It, it, in fact, there's nothing better mm. than when it's freezing cold outside, and I'm thinking Melbourne here in the middle of winter, yeah. to come in and have some shochu with hot water. Yeah, right. it, it really warms you all the way to the middle. <laughs> and uh, even to the top with the, the crown of the head. Yes. Yeah. All right, so number three. Ooh, that's a good one. This one's got a beautiful red label. The, the bottles also are a little bit... Um, each one is a little bit different. The first one we had was uh, a, a very, very small bottle, around about, what is that, about 300 mil. Yeah, exactly, 300 mil. The other one looks a bit like maybe a Riesling bottle with a screwed cap. This one here, this red one, which we will find out in a sec what is the, the main ingredient uh, that has been distilled, has got this gorgeous red label. It looks a little bit like a squat whiskey bottle. Hmm. Yeah. So this is this is imo, which imo. is uh, sweet potato. Ah. Um, this is the uh, Hanamikura imo. Yes. Um, now, Hanamikura are a very, very interesting brewery because they make uh, shochu. Yes. They make a lot of sake, but also they make mirin as well. Ah. Um, but shochu is... Uh, is very much a, a hobby of the uh, company president, and obviously it's, it's part of the business as well. Yeah. But he's a, he's a very, very big shochu fanatic. Have you met him? Yeah, absolutely. What's he like? He's uh, he's he's the coolest guy. He's a dude. <laughs> absolutely. He loves his stuff. <laughs> he loves his stuff. Yeah. In fact, I was, I was lucky to... They've only been making Imo for a couple of years, and I was lucky to see their first batch when it had just come through the still. The first baby. Absolutely. Um, and before it was watered down, because it's distilled out at about 45%, yes. and then it's watered down to a, a level of around 25 But uh, I stuck my head inside the big vat, and it was amazing, the smell that came out. Perhaps someone was holding your shoulders so you didn't fall in. All right, this is the one. So this is the Imo. Okay, so this one, believe it or not, folks, is made from sweet potato. Sweet potato booze. Sweet potato. Mm-hmm. Again, um, the esters are there. The volatile sort of things are there. It's not as um, uh, clean as the the first one we had with the barley. Mm. Delicious. So, shochu drinkers will say um, that's my favourite. You like that? I like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, if you're a if you're a shochu drinker in Japan, you're a hardcore shochu fan. Then then imo is your poison. Oh, really? Yeah, sweet potato. Um, it shows that, oh, that, that's impressive, you know. You, it is. You're a strong man, you drink him more. <laughs> Big-faced man with sweet potato. Absolutely. Um, so it tends to have bigger flavours, broader flavours, uh, a little bit more obvious. Um, Imo, to my idea, I always love drinking on the rocks. So let's, let's pop a couple check, of... Check those rocks in. Here's some ice we prepared earlier. Thing. And um, Lee's just sticking one cube in, by the way, just in case you're, you're wondering how much ice do we put in there. We're not pouring it over crushed ice. We're just adding a cube. A cube. Generally at home, we'll have a, a very large ice cube, one extremely large ice cube um, in a tumbler and pour the shochu over the top. Beautiful. Mm. How is, oh, Okay. How has that changed for you? That's gotten a little bit sweeter for me. Yep. Yeah. So the sweetness comes out as soon as you add the uh, the ice. Mm. Um, it becomes very, very interesting. The, the palate broadens out as well. Huh. It's less directional. That's really nice. Um, and you can see it's easy to knock down a bottle of this. It's kind of dangerous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do not operate heavy machinery. But it, as we say, it's not as strong as a whiskey. 
Um, so, yeah, about uh, oh, a little bit more than half, isn't it? Yeah, so um, 25%, uh, I suppose a, a good whiskey is normally 48, mm. 47.5. Yes. Um, so it's, it's very, very approachable. And especially when you add a little bit of water to it, and you can water it down to about the strength of wine, yes. uh, it's a very, very easy drink. Mm. Uh, it's something that you could sit and sip the whole night through. Fusion style, crossing over. I don't know why, but I've just been thinking, you know what I'd really love to have with this? It seems heretical, but I'll, I'll say it anyway. Corn beef. Corn horse. Fantastic. Corn horse. Now, don't do that. <laughs> but let's just... You're just being provocative. But corn beef, the flavours, I think, would go pretty well with that. And I even... I can even imagine the cabbage that I usually and, have. And the mashed potato and the, yeah, and the mustard and... Well, usually, for me, it's roasties yeah. I do with the... Yeah, but, but yeah... And even the mustard that goes with the corned beef would link across with this. So it's not just for um, you have to have it with a, a, an Eastern palate. You can broaden this to whatever you like, really. Absolutely. Um, I, I think about shochu is, is something that is so broad. You could even sit down and have a steak with it. I can mention that. You know, a nice big big piece of marbled beef just on the grill, yeah. right? some potatoes, some beans on the side, something very simple. It would, it would totally work. Yeah, yeah. All right, and here's another thing. If we do get that piece of uh, Wagyu beef, I remember the first time I ever got a really amazing piece of Wagyu beef, I made the mistake of just trying to pan fry it in a pan, and I kept having to take out the oil, and then I remember trying to eat it, and it was just ridiculous. But think of this, folks. A beautiful piece of Wagyu. Not much. Buy maybe about 200 grams. You can share it with someone you love, and then slice really, really thinly, and then a really beautiful, say, sesame dipping sauce to go with it with that. Fantastic. And maybe even a bit of that hot chilli flakes that you put on top that could be kind of nice. What do you yeah. call that mixture? Uh, the ichimi is a, is a single chilli or shichimi, which is shichimi. a 7-7. Oh. Yeah. Very, very good. Okay, so um, here it is, something to think of. And why do you say this um, thing is... We don't know about it much uh, over here, and you reckon this uh, this could take off a bit? I think it's, it certainly has um, has a lot of legs. Um, I think a lot of people in Australia really just don't know about it. Mm. Um, but with tourism to Japan, and, and Australians love going to Japan, yeah. uh, and everyone I speak to who's been out to the bars, the standing bars of Osaka or, or wherever, um, they always come back and they've always tried this mysterious drink called shochu. Um, so there is there is growing demand for it. Mm. If, if I put it into perspective of uh, whiskey sales in Japan, now you think that... Japanese whiskey is pretty popular, and people drink a lot of whiskey over there. Um, shochu is 1,150% higher in sales than whiskey. It's, it's quite a significant force. It certainly is. Yep. And uh, a force for good, we have to say. So um, it's, it's a brand new thing. Well, no, it's not a brand new thing. It's been around since the 16th century. But for our palates... It could be right, and this could be the time of year to uh, to maybe give it a go. I think so. Uh, another good advantage over, say, a bottle of wine or even a bottle of sake is you can open a bottle and leave it in the cupboard for a few months, and there's absolutely no detriment to the palate. Although it is pretty Moorish, I think I'd be coming back just to have a little taste of it. Uh, Lee, thank you very, very much. It's been great to speak to you. We'll, um, we'll have to make sure that we see you uh, a little bit sooner than we let the time go last time. Absolutely. Thanks for dropping by. Yeah, it was nice to drop by. Thanks for dropping by our place. You made and me thirsty now with that. 
yeah, I, yeah. I feel like a glass of shushu. 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 Uh, yeah, I don't know. Other places it's around other than, um, than the, the beautiful chef's armory, yeah, but yeah. Uh, we've made Lee very happy today, I suppose. <laughs> uh, Lisa Williams is a very, very happy person. Um, she's off to Dining with Heart uh, with um, a very special friend. True, and we should say tickets still available. There's a few left, so I mean, it's it's a little exy, but it goes to a great cause, and you'll be there, Cam. Be I great. will be. Be yeah. emceeing. It'll be a, a lot of fun. Uh, the down low is on next. Thanks for listening to the show, wherever you are, maybe yes. even in the Northern Hemisphere. Hope there's some of that popcorn left, guy. We'll talk soon. <laughs> All right. Bye. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.